Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody, and thank you for listening to Sunfiles Radio. I'm your host, Steve Pisa. Thank you so much for listening in this week, a couple days after Thanksgiving. I usually don't like to put a, a timestamp on these episodes, but it is a couple days after Thanksgiving. So it is very kind of, of everybody here to be listening in when they're probably in a, in a food coma. But we have a nice, nice grouping today. We had some difficulties earlier with uh, some of the technical aspects of the show, but thank you all of you for hanging in there. I see there's a a huge crowd. So how was your week? How was your Thanksgiving? Do you eat a lot of food, spend time with your family, get into arguments, regular Thanksgiving stuff? (laughs) Regular Thanksgiving stuff? And shows, any movies, did you watch anything? Give us a call. 515-602-9609. We have special guest Sean Paul Piccinino, writer, director, producer. This guy does it all. He's, he's not unlike the people we've had on before. Where this man does it all. We want to hear everything from him. Everything from his youth to, his, to, to what's happening now. So have you been watching The Mandalorian is, is the question I'm going to ask. Now, episode three is probably one of the best episodes I saw, and that was directed by Deborah Chow. Now, the last episode, episode four, was, was directed by Bryce Dallas Howard, which is a great episode. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight against that, that attitude that, that not a lot of women directors are out there doing stuff. Like, we need more women. I mean, we have – there's a long way to go on this platform. We'll talk to Sean about this as well, but to have two women directing The Mandalorian, which is a, which is a Disney show, Disney Marvel show, is incredible. And they are incredible episodes. Let's get Sean in here. Let's, let's ask him what his idea is on this. Right. Here you go. We got our crowd here, Sean. <laughs> Hey, how's it going, everybody? <laughs> Good. How about you? I'm doing great. Good. You, uh, you've been watching The Mandalorian. Oh my gosh, yes. Uh, love loving the show, and uh, yeah, um, yeah, I think it's fantastic. Baby Yoda. Yeah, hashtag Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda is incredible. You know, that's one of those things that you don't know what's going to work, but, but as soon as it does work, it, it's infectious. Yeah, it's like uh, taking the world by storm. Yeah, well, it's incredible that they tried this with several different characters in several different films. And never caught on. And then it just takes John Favreau's sci-fi you know, show of The Mandalorian to uh, bring on Baby Yoda. And the next thing you know, it's everybody wants merch now. That's the problem is they wanted merch yeah. to come out next season. They didn't want it to come out this season. So, yeah. Sean, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. so you've been watching The Mandalorian. Uh, you, then you want to direct in the Disney sphere as well. We want to get to that to that as well. But let's get to the beginning. Now you're you're from California, but you're not from Los Angeles, are you? So where are you from? Uh yeah, well I grew up in well I was born in Santa Barbara, but uh, I didn't grow up there. I grew up in Northern California. A uh, small little town, Chico, California. Yeah, um, Chico. It's about uh 
Yeah, it's about an hour north of Sacramento. Yeah. Nice. You had a lot of influence throughout your life. I mean, your father is a a theater coach and had his own theater going on there for a long time. Now, how was that like growing up with a a person who can definitely develop you in the way you want to be developed? How, How was that like? Were there any challenges? Yeah, well, Were there you know, any glories with that? Well, it was it was great. I, I basically grew up in the theaters. So my, my father, Barry Piccinino, was a, a drama professor um, at a university up there. And he directed two plays a year for the for the school. Built, nice. built the whole theater department there. They built a really amazing, like, smart stage and uh, at the college. And um, he also produced Shakespeare in the Park. And he also acted in, a, in a, some plays over the years. Um, so I kind of grew up in the theater, and it was never – he never pressured me to be a part of it. And it was always just something if, if I wanted to be a part of it, I could. And my sister as well. She helped right. out in plays. She did costuming and makeup, and I did right. stuff behind the scenes. I did stuff on stage. Um, but, yeah, it was really – it was really just an amazing um, – education uh kind of my whole life and uh i even took classes from my father when i nice. when i got to college uh, did you, did you think that would be your future being in, in plays and what have you did for a while no i don't know i don't know i i, I think uh kind of the um growing growing up in a small town it's very interesting uh, like trying to fathom what is actually possible out there but my dad brought back a um uh, uh, a camera for me at like 12 or 13 years old. And I wow. started doing my own little short films and stuff like that. And then mm-hmm. by the age of 16, I just by happenstance, I helped a store that I was working at. Um, one of my many jobs, I, for some reason, I always liked working a lot of jobs. So I had like three different jobs, <laughs> but at one of them uh, was the owner wanted to do a commercial for the store and uh, right. me and him just started spitballing ideas and uh, he kind of let me run with it. And so I kind of oversaw the show and, and the, the, the local cable like Fox affiliate, they came in and they, and they shot the commercial. Well, the commercial went off, went off really well. And so the, the guy kind of who had the account, he came and talked to me about doing pitching ideas to other local businesses and I, I would basically direct the – I would write and direct the commercials. Nice. And it just so happened that I ended up appearing in all of the commercials too, and I, and I ended up doing like 20, 25 commercials in, in the town. So that kind of what – that's kind of how I was um, – kind of fell into that media um, kind of telling right. stories was, was with commercials. And, and then my – this idea of, oh, maybe I could become a filmmaker – uh, was sprouted from there. Um, well, you're already you're already acting and in, in what have you. Uh, what what yeah, separated that field tried. for you? Of yeah, what separated the the mentality for you of being like, hey, I, I want to act to, I want to be behind the camera and be the the function, you know, leader of the group. Um, I think so. I think really the 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 root of it was my father bringing back that camera because I noticed something very interesting. Um, between acting and performing for stage because you're always trying to perform for that audience member in the, you know, the, the last row. Um, right. And so that's why projection is so important. That's why um, your body language plays such a large key. 
in stage performance. Um, and what I noticed about having the camera and doing my own little short films was how subtle something could be and it still resonates because everybody is seeing this imagery in the same, you know, uh, field, in the same, right. you know, plane. It's it's right there. So someone's eye twitch, uh, on a lip quiver or whatever it wants to be, a single teardrop hmm. or whatever, is going to be seen the same by right. everybody who's watching it. So right, subtle uh, moments and that allows you to do yeah, you, it allows you to do very subtle things, which mm. you know the stage you can't have those moments, but not it's not quite the same. So right. that fascinated me, and and uh, and I wanted to explore that more. Um, I think that's really what kind of uh, um, you know spawned that that uh, the start of that, and then think about that. But even when I went, I moved down to Southern California. With mm-hmm. the with the dream of becoming a filmmaker, that was definitely in. So that was that your dream my, when you moved down here? Is you you want to be a filmmaker? It was. I wanted here? to be in the. Yes, it was, and and I was supposed to move down here with one of my best friends, um, and uh, he kind of uh, um, wasn't able to do it at the last minute, and I, uh. you know, it was kind of kind of this uh, scary thing. But I said, you know what, I'm going to do it, and I and I moved down there on my own. Uh, yeah, but I nice. very honestly, coming from that small town, I didn't, I didn't understand the path to take. So I kind of just, I moved down to San Diego. I didn't go right to LA, and then I, I went to college down there, and I wasn't going to film school. Like that didn't even register as the thing. That didn't even register as a path to do. It's like, no, you've right. got to go to regular college. You've got to get your regular degree. You know what I mean? Like, right. I was still right. on that path. And and I noticed in in college I was just I just wasn't in it I was like I'm just so not interested in any of this and so I ended up taking um, uh, a history of film class and a creative writing class at the same time wow. and the creative writing class was was for scripts right it was for uh, so basically you writing. took a little you basically took a little theater class yeah and so I yeah. took those classes nice. the history of the history of film was the one that really got me though, too, because we studied um, Hitchcock or something that first semester. So what ended up happening was I took the same classes. They were electives. I took them again the next semester, even though, you know, the college uh, uh, counselor was like, Hey, you're, these don't, these won't count for anything. Right. About I really I really want to find out uh, about the because each semester they were studying different things um, and uh, you know um, I'm like well I I've got to take this class so I took those classes again I even took it a third semester the the history of film because it was always different filmmakers they were studying it's like right. you know um, Hitchcock one one semester then you know whatever Spielberg the next one and so I I ended up taking the class three times. Um, kind of my own little mini film school in a way, and uh, and that's nice. when I really realized that, you know, what am I doing uh, studying for you know a, a normal degree when that's right. not going to be towards what I actually want to do, you know? And in the meantime, right. I was doing a short film. Uh, ended up doing a short film during that time, which a lot of people seemed to like. Everybody that we showed it to, we didn't really have a. Uh, you know, even an inkling on what to do with it, like film festival-wise right. or anything like that. But, but everybody that something. we showed it to, we just right. made something, and anybody that we could show it to, really, they laughed and because it was humorous. And, 
Right. And uh, we're like, you know what? This feels really good doing this. So after moving up to L.A. finally, uh, when I met my wife, and she, she was like, why are we down in San Diego if that's what you want right. to be pursuing? So right. uh, I would give all the credit to her. She said, let's move. Let's, so we packed everything up. We moved up here on a whim. Nice. And uh, kind of the rest of the history from there wasn't wasn't long, and I started PAing for a for a company, and and uh, and then that led me into to doing um, production work. Right. You know, you're one of the very few people that we talk to uh, on Cinema Files Radio who who is actually you know married within the sphere of their career within their growth. Uh, a lot of directors either aren't married yet or, or have had, you know, wise, you know, for so many years, they don't talk about them anymore. But how does it feel to have somebody that basically came up with you side by side in, in like your yeah, film career? It's great. Yeah, it's wonderful. The support, um, it's always been so supportive and, and, uh, you know, that's a really tough thing. Uh, if you don't have any kind of support, uh, this business yeah. is brutal. It's, uh, you know, it's one of those things I, I say all the time that the people that make it are the people that stick it out. I mean, yes, you've right. got to have talent. Yes, you've got to have all those things, but it's really the person with the drive and the determination that, that make it in this business because right. uh, there's just so many people that, that they give up after a couple of years, you know. Uh, all right. the overnight successes are at least a decade in the making, if not more. All right. That's what uh, Matt Damon was know. saying. Yeah, I'm an overnight success 10 years ago. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's always a, a tremendous amount of work and, and I'm sure there's the lightning in the bottle things that happen, but for, for most everybody else, for 99.9% of everybody else, they've struggled. They've had to work their way up. They, right. uh, and just that never give up type of thing right. is, uh, is, is the people that I've seen become successful and, and see their right. successes. It, well, America Young was making the, the point people, that, you know, go ahead. No, I'm sorry, you're interrupting you. Go ahead. No, oh, no, no. No, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, America Young was making the point that communication is a, is a really key franchise for directing in, in, in today's cinema. Uh, how do you, how do you, where do you stand on, on that? Uh, what, do, what do you think the keys are for being a good director around, you know, and working with your staff and, and making them feel included and what have you? Well, she's not wrong, and I, and I love America. I think I, I champion her when anybody brings her up. I think she's amazing. So yeah, yes. I, uh, uh, I was lucky enough to be able to to kind of help out just a tiny bit on a on a workshop, uh, you know, that she was doing, and and I love Without just hearing her, everything right? she says. Yeah, always such a big fan of of uh, uh, just kind of her mindset and how she yeah. approaches things. So yeah, I completely agree. Communication is yeah. communication is super important, uh, and yeah. it's and it's how you communicate with 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 uh, everybody that you're working with because if you're not a good communicator then things are going to break down hmm, uh, right and uh you know i think to there's obviously no one formula for success with with uh, right. as pertains to being a director um but certainly um having a clear vision is very important. Um, and if you're the, the type of leader who has that vision and then everybody can get on board with that vision, it's everybody's working towards the same goal. And I think that's obviously um, such a big, important piece of it. The other thing that I say um, for myself, um, mm -hmm. and it makes, it makes sense, I think <laughs> in, right. in kind of general terms is that 
a director understands acting and a director understands editing. And those are right. more uh, both kind of like technical sides of it. But I think it's just sure. so important, uh, young aspiring directors out there, that they really understand those two elements. Number one, if you um, can really understand what the actors are, are going to be going through, at least on some level, that will change how you approach um, filming the scenes. It'll change how you right. approach if you do rehearsals. Some people don't, but it'll change all those aspects um, uh, and, and allowing them the room to, to, to explore and breathe when you can and, mm-hmm. and then you know, kind of lasering in on what you need when you need it and uh, and how to communicate that with them again commu- all right. comes down to to that communication and then the editing right. side of it is you understand what you're shooting <laughs> if you're right. a director and you don't understand what you're shooting um it could be problematic but uh, again there's i'm sure there's very successful directors out there that maybe don't understand either one of those things so it's right. obviously to each their own but you know the, those the, are the, the things least... that make sense to me Sure. Well, that leads me to to one of my first questions here, which is on Doolittle's Heroes. Uh, the uh, we call it Sunset Glory. Is is that what the main title of the film is? Um, well, in China, it's going to be called River Sunset. That's a River direct Sunset. translation, which which makes more sense uh, in in the Chinese language than it does right. uh, translated. But over here, um, I don't know what it's going to be called yet. Um, right. We've just had some really great. Um, meetings and discussions on basically adapting the show for uh, the U.S. market and the European oh, market fantastic. as well. So European, nice. U.S. And, and you were doing it's gonna, it's AFM, gonna take, right? Yes, we went to the American film market uh, and uh, discussed some, some ideas with, with uh, several different parties. But um, uh, right now it looks like the, the plan is maybe to make it a mini-series for, for the U.K. and U.S. distribution. Um wow. And uh, the title hasn't been settled on what it's going to be. Yes, right. originally it was yeah, – our working title was Doolittle's Heroes. That's what we did the production under right. because it right. deals with James Jimmy Doolittle, who was, um, the, is still the most famous – or not – I don't even know famous, but the most decorated pilot of all time Yes, um, mm-hmm. for, the, for the U.S. militaries um, and right. kind of his secret mission to um, bomb Tokyo after – after the the events of Pearl Harbor, so it was kind right. of a retaliatory retaliation um, uh, mission, and so mm-hmm. that's what our show dealt with. Um, so yeah, we're kind of going to working like a possible miniseries, four to six episodes. Well, uh, I, I mentioned communication because you worked through the Chinese on this film. So I mean, you were you were yeah. you were going across the board. You're not only communicating with the Americans who are part of the Chinese who are who are fl- flipping the bill basically. Yeah, so it was a Chinese, uh, it was an American Chinese co-production, and um, wow. the scale of this project was massive. But the the Chinese filmmakers, um, uh, Mr. Zhao Jun, who is who is behind the the whole project, it was his idea. He wrote the original scripts, um, mm. and what is what it has worked out to be is forty seven episodes for the Chinese. Um, wow, for the Chinese series, and he wrote it all. So pretty pretty incredible. That's incredible. Um, yeah, I I got to help writing on on some of the American stuff. Basically, the American storyline interweaves in about twelve episodes of that forty-seven episode storyline. So this is a massive, massive production, uh, one of the biggest China has ever done. Um, and 
but a lot of that deals with these Chinese spies, and there, there's kind of a love story. Right. In there. And all of this stuff is actually based on true events and, tr- mm-hmm. and real people. And uh, pretty amazing story. Like even some of the stuff I had done research on, I wasn't sure how much of these characters uh, – of the story that they were telling was actually – historically accurate and i was blown away when i I dug a little deeper i went wow it really is like these people really did go through (laughs) this and and even down to the details on how you know uh, some of them died some of them escaped all this stuff it was actually historically accurate which is pretty incredible Um, reminds me of hacksaw ridge a little bit where some of the stories they had had dumbed them down because people didn't even believe that the things he actually did were possible yeah, yeah, yeah. It's there's a lot of that in there. The the story that I was so excited to tell was was obviously um, the the retaliation mission for for the U.S. after Pearl Harbor. But more important than that for me was the story after that mission was executed. They none of the Americans uh, landed those planes. They they all crashed. So, wow. um, and. There was 80 men on the mission, and it was close to 70, maybe maybe 71 even that survived that mission, which is is mind-boggling really? when you think that these guys were crashing in the ocean. One of them right. got pushed up into Russia. They ended up in a Russian prison for a minute. Were able to escape. I mean, it's just this crazy <laughs> story. But that's the story I wanted to tell was how the sure. uh, the Chinese actually, the villagers, the monks, even the guerrilla fighters, they harbored the Americans. They smuggled them out of the country because wow. they really did view them as heroes because they were the only people that were willing to, to kind of help the Chinese right. against the Japanese occupation at the time. That's right. Yeah. And, uh, and they, there was tens of thousands of Chinese that, that died smuggling these Americans out. And that's not an exaggeration. Yeah. That's not no. bloating the numbers. And at the end of it all, you could lump in the retaliation for that whole thing. It ended up being in the neighborhood of 225,000 Chinese that were killed yeah. uh, basically in retaliation for helping the Americans, which is just yeah. mind-boggling. It's there, not, there I can't so even fathom it. I don't even understand There are so it. many stories of the Chinese helping out not only Americans but also Germans during, during this time in, in, in the world. And the Chinese were very compassionate, and when they were taken over by the Japanese, that was, that was a pretty harsh telling. Uh, I really like, like yeah. uh, Spielberg's uh, Empire of the Sun where it really touches base yeah. on the Chinese occupation. It's, yeah. it's, it's one of the first films done with uh, – what's his name? It was Batman. Um, uh, uh, Christian Bale. Christian Bale, yes, that's right. So Christian Bale started, and that was his first film. So that was a pretty incredible flick. So Dugan yeah, yeah. is, is going film. to is going to touch a, a lot on that level. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. We, nice. we got to film in China, and and walk the the actual streets where these pilots were were. Wow. Um, it was pretty amazing. We we got to speak with the. In China, I I tell people this a lot of times. If you're on location, they don't necessarily lock down the set, which which means they don't they don't stop public the public from from coming onto your set. If you're if you're going to film in the middle of a you know a residential street or whatever, you have the chance that somebody's going to walk through. And or in some cases, uh, we had one night where we had video village set up, and we we're in a kind of a historic part of this fishing village. And it was the actual streets, actual still the same cobblestones that these American pilots uh, uh, had walked at the time. Right. And I looked wow. behind myself, and I'm not I'm not exaggerating. When we had 20 to 30 people in chairs, 
just <laughs> residents who had who had set up behind our video village. We had like a live studio <laughs> audience. It was so respectful. They didn't make a peep. You know, yeah. it was just amazing. They just wanted to watch what we were doing, and and wow. uh, and then we had at lunch this this lovely lady had had come by and she was asking what we we're filming and i said tell her what we're filming you know this is this is very historic and it happened right sure. here she she heard what we were saying and she actually brought back a us issued lighter and a um really uh, a coin like a military coin that yeah. her grandfather had been given uh, by this, the actual pilots, we were the stories we were telling. Those pilots had come through. Her grandfather had helped smuggle them out of the town, and they right. gave him that that lighter and the coin as a, a memento. And the, her grandfather was killed a week later when they when the Japanese discovered he had Harbor, he was the one who helped them out of the town. Wow! Yeah, yeah. and that was just That's somebody harboring. who walked by during our lunch. You know, <laughs> it was just a an incredible, probably my my favorite filming experience, uh, yeah, ever. Has was well, that's was that's communication. On, that's communication on, on directing on a second level because you're not only communicating with with your your people, you're, but you're communicating with also the Chinese as well. And we we don't really know what what their experience is like, to be honest with you, because it's, yeah. the checks and balances aren't there. So, how was that like? How were those challenges? It was. It was. There was definitely challenges with the uh, with the um, uh, you know speech barriers, uh, right. working with the Chinese crew. Uh, but all I can say is they they um, uh, you know we had people that were bilingual, and so that helped uh, tremendously. And just having patience, I think, is is um, uh, right. a, a big key because you have to have patience. You're going to have to re-explain things, and you know. But everybody was on the same page of wanting to make something really incredible. So. They worked so hard, and uh, um, we kind of filmed still with with like Western style um, uh, kind of production rules. So right. we we kind of didn't film over twelve really? hours, and we had days off. Which in China is interesting. Some productions, not all. Some productions, if it's a forty day shoot, they'll work forty days yeah. straight. There's no right. days off. Um, right. So our crew our crew was pretty darn happy when we would have a day off. You know, they were. They were right. pretty uh, – uh, almost didn't understand how we would have a day off, you know, uh, <laughs> and, and, and only work 12 hours because they, they're right. used to regularly working 16-hour sure. days. Um, and uh, – but yeah. So, so the Chinese didn't have a problem really with great. that. The Chinese said go ahead and, 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 and you know, well, yeah, relax. We, fil- were, we were filming with uh, yeah American actors, and so, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, we had the SAG rules and all those kinds of things that we were right. adhering to. Um, with sure. those actors, so <clears throat> right, um, yeah. So it was it was very interesting, and they were totally fine with shooting it that way. The the producers, the Chinese producers, um, nice. agreed that uh, we could shoot that way. But the uh, but everybody was just so accommodating and so helpful, and and uh, we had an amazing uh, camera op, and he was bilingual, so that was nice. fantastic. Um, and he really he spoke English really well. Um, mm. so that was a, he was a really great bridge for us for the, for the lighting and the, and the right. kind of the technical side of the, the crew. It was really great to, and important to get, um, we, we set out to try and get someone bilingual who would be our camera op because sure. Brad Rushing, who was our, our dr- director of photography, um, he obviously, he didn't speak, well, not obviously, but he didn't speak Chinese. So it was right. important for him to get a camera op who was, <laughs> right. uh, that bilingual. could speak. Right. 
Yeah, and also had then had the skills to match, you know, the style of shooting we wanted to do. So, right. and luckily we were we were able to find uh, um, uh, somebody who was really um, fantastic, and uh, and then my my uh, first assistant director, she was also bilingual, so that helped a lot, you know. I mean, with communication and and um, but we did have our challenges, like Elizabeth Jett, who is my uh, awesome, awesome. Uh, a costume designer. Um, yeah. And funny story there, because, you know, we're filming in China, there's not a lot of resources to get U.S. military World War II um, right. wardrobe. So we had to bring a lot of stuff. So all of us, including myself, was carrying my, my additional <laughs> bag was wardrobe for the shoot. And there was That's like, hilarious. I'm not kidding, there was like eight to ten of us that all had an additional you know, checked luggage that was just wardrobe. Yeah, it must look like you guys were invading um, somehow. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> but the, the, the other crazy thing was, so she, her translator really, he was a wonderful, wonderful uh, gentleman named Ricky. That was his American, uh, you know, nickname. Right. Um, he really <laughs> had trouble speaking English. So it was it was difficult for her with communication and then they right. didn't really didn't have dryers where we were. There was washing machines, uh, no dryers. albeit they were kind of, uh, yeah, they, they hang dry everything. Now we were oh. shooting in water tanks and we were shooting with water, like, you know, splash spraying water from the, the, the planes crashing and we've been shot right. in the ocean. And so her challenge, which was uh, crazy. And I don't even know how, I don't even know how she <laughs> getting the work around or fixing it. Um, yeah. but it was, uh, somehow she figured it out. I don't know how she figured it out, but she was able to dry the clothes and get them turned around in time. Cause that was a problem. It's like, how do you take soaking wet clothing and get them dry for the next scene right. you have to shoot with these people and with no dryers. <laughs> so, <laughs> it seems like the simplest things, but communication can definitely either make or break the situation. Yeah, so she figured out a way, and it's, she's a legend to me. Uh, Elizabeth Jett is a total legend um, uh, to me because she overcomes these seemingly impossible uh, situations, and we've been in more than one of them together. Uh, we've done, I think, four, um, possibly five projects together now. Nice. Um, and, uh, yeah, she's Well, she's Sunset Glory amazing. is one that you're working on right now. Uh, to get the uh, that's some funding right there for some distribution, but Roped is, is is another film that I'm interested in. Are you in the the editing process on, on that film, or are you are you done so with your post? So Roped Roped is done. Yeah, Roped is done. It's completed. Uh, post production is is completed, um, as well as several of the other ones I, I did with Forest Films. Um, nice. But yeah, that one that one is done. That one was uh, very. Um, uh, uh, you know, interesting production, but also post-production process. Um, we we kind of went back in there and edited and re-edited and, and tried to really make it, uh, um, you know, just you're always striving for for perfection, of course. Um, sure. On any of these projects, but uh, yeah, we right. really we got in there and we're trying to to really uh, make it good. Now, who stars in this film? You got uh, um, you got Lauren York and. Um, Oh my gosh, I'm gonna pull everything up, but of course my buddy Shane Graham is <laughs> Shane Graham, there, um, who right. who is also in Doolittle's Heroes. Um, you've got uh, uh, we're gonna mention his name uh, around a lot. Yes, yeah. Um, 
he's he's uh I think he's such a wonderful actor. Uh, always yeah, love working with him. Yeah. And um um but yeah, we also had uh, oh my gosh, I'm gonna night and start blanking on everybody's names. But we had uh, Josh, um who stars in the movie. Um and so tell uh, us about the film. What is the what is the film about? Rope rope well, makes me a, feel it, like it, it, it's definitely about like somebody working in the rodeo. It is. So it's kind of uh it's kind of like a little bit of a mix of um like like throwback, uh, you know, coming of age like hmm. you know, romance, uh like it's it's got the the feeling of like a footloose or something like that. It's uh-huh. a small town a girl falls in love with the the guy from the rodeo, you know. Uh, but it deals right. with some some other issues um, revolving around that, it's like animal safety and you know all these things like that. Um, we got Casper right. Van Dien, of course, who's in it, um, and uh, um, Christina um, Moore. And uh, sorry, I know I'm I'm. Doing terrible with remembering everybody's name. <laughs> no, you're but, doing uh, great. The stars is is is, is Josh yeah. Swickard, and he's he's um, uh, from uh, um, he's really kind of blown up in the in the uh, soap daytime soap uh, world. He's he stars on uh, General Hospital, and uh, yeah. he's kind of like the heartthrob uh, right now, which which I always love because he went to audition for that show while he was on our on the set of Roped. Um, and so he, he was able to, on his days off, he was able to, because we were shooting up in Northern California, uh, fly down there um, and do the audition and come back and still make it to our set. But he nice. um, he got it. He nailed it, uh, which is, right. is awesome. We were so happy for him. Um, and then Lauren York, who plays uh, opposite him, she's fantastic actress. Um, I really see her going uh, big places. She's doing really great right now. Um, we also right. have John Schneider in there. Um, nice. Who is who is uh, you know, Dukes of Hazard and and, uh, and uh, I think one of your favorite shows, uh, Smallville, right? Oh yeah, he played the father. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then he's Michael fanta- Rourke, he, who, he's a fantastic actor. Yeah. Yes, he's really good. And then Michael Rourke is also in there, who's fantastic as well. Um, nice. And he was, uh, yeah, he was. Uh, he's a lot of fun to work with. We we did. Um, I, I did a little bit of work on a movie that just came out with him called Bennett's War. Uh, oh right, you were, you one, you acted so. in Bennett's War, did you not? Uh, I mean, I did some voiceover work, and then I also nice. helped film uh, on Bennett's War. So I helped with the, the motorcycle um, races. I did a lot of. Mm. Um, basically B unit uh, shots. So I got up there, I climbed up the side of the hills and like <laughs> literally <laughs> ratchet strapped myself to a tree and, and would right. film these motorcycles flying overhead. At one point, uh, uh, Tad Griffin, the, the stunt coordinator, um, he ratchet strapped me to the back of a mule, which not, not an actual mule. Um, no, I, it's a vehicle. Right. Um, it's like an off-road vehicle. So we strapped Those things me are to, nasty. to the back of yeah. that. Yeah. They can go fast. And uh, it, it goes like 50 mile an hour. And so yeah. he literally, I'm not even exaggerating, I was ratchet strapped for safety <laughs> <laughs> and onto the back of the thing while holding the camera. And, uh, and we, went, uh, we matched speed with the motocross bikes um, going nice. all out. Um, and uh, w- when we finished that shot, I, I told the director, 
uh, Alex, who's a, a good friend of mine, I told him, I'm like, that shot's going to make the trailer. I guarantee that shot's going to make the trailer. <laughs> it did make the trailer. I was so happy. I was like, yes. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, that was Risk a lot your of life. It might as well um, be in the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> I just love working on, on this stuff. No matter what, uh, what uh, capacity, if I'm working in film, I'm happy. So, right. um, but yeah, that's, it's kind of a small town girl meets the rodeo that's coming through the town. And of course they're forbidden love. They shouldn't be together. <laughs> it's the teen romance kind of vibe. Yeah. And, and uh, we love uh, that. But we got some cool action in there. Cool rodeo action. There's a uh, nice. cool bull riding sequence. And, um, uh, which Michael Rourke plays the character who's bull rider, um, right? And uh, and all of that. And our, our title character, uh, who Josh plays, he's a roper. That's why it's called roped. Um, oh, really? It's like a fast roper. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you're going on. You're going on those themes of of you know feeling your emotions because you go right into Lady Driver right after this, and that's with that's with Grace Van Deen and Sean Patrick Flannery and, and Christina Moore. Um, but it still feels like, and it's it's a the film is PG by the way, so that 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 means that yeah. everybody can see this film. Yeah, we were actually kind of su- a little bit surprised that one went uh, got a PG rating, but yeah, yeah. it's um, uh, I, I I really really am proud of that film. I think it's uh, just a really great film and and uh, you know good themes and all that. It's also coming of age. Uh, but it's a female power. Um, I have two daughters, and, and it's no uh, secret. I'm always champion, championing, uh, you know, to my daughters. They can do whatever. There's no limitations, um, right. you know, and uh, they can co- accomplish whatever they want to accomplish. And so it's important for me to also be able to, you know, hopefully get to tell some stories that, that resonate Um you know, those messages. And I really feel like Lady Driver is one of those. It's right. about a young 16 year old girl who becomes a race car champion, uh, in, in a pretty much male dominated sport. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> Sean Patrick Flannery plays her uncle. Uh, nice. Cameo in there from Casper playing, actually playing uh, her father and, and their, you know, Grace Van Dien is obviously, um, in real life, uh, the yeah. daughter of Casper Van Dien. So it was really cool to get, um, Casper in there, uh, you know, nice. for that. And uh, <clears throat> Grace is amazing. She's a really, really fantastic actress. <clears throat> and um, I really, I want to work with her again in, in a heartbeat because she's just, again, one of those um, people. She's just so sincere, and, and that comes through in her performances. She's, there's no pretension. There's no, you know, pretense of, of it's just... She just kind of is is living in those moments, you know what I mean? Right, right, right. Is she is she one of those actresses? She's worked on a on a lot of really big teen shows. Is she one of those actresses that that definitely knows how to how to work old school style, or or is she more of the new school style? Mm, that's a good question. No, I, I she feels she just feels like an old soul in general. Uh, I would say. Um, right. So I think she's she's. Um, you know, I don't know if it's the the new school or old school methodology and how she comes across in acting. Again, all I can just say is sincerity. That's right. what comes through, and and she's got this infectious, um, you know, Smile. energy about her. Uh, yeah. Just energy in general. It was it was one of those things when we were casting it. Um, 
I kept coming back to her and saying, uh, you know, to the producers and whatnot, that you can't deny this person. Like, you can't right. tell her no. I said, get right. in a room with her for five minutes, and if you don't think she's the one for this role, <clears throat> which is what the role is, it's it's a character that her uncle, you know, doesn't want to teach her how to race, but he can't take he can't say no to her because you know, just that's the character. And right. uh, and I just felt very strongly that that the same thing about Grace that you just she's just somebody that uh, you know could get pretty much anybody to do anything because it's just she's just so sincere she's very sweet yeah. and she's just uh, just this positive beacon of energy. Well, that's a that's a and, good compliment. Uh, is is where she's an actress that people can't say no to. That's that's definitely yeah, you know yeah. a, a plug for somebody being uh, easily castable. Oh yeah, yeah, and and again, and just a pleasure to work with. She's um, a total pro, knows what she's doing, like uh, all those aspects of it. She's you know hits her marks, whatever it is. She's really really on on top of it with that. Um, nice. But yeah, that was a really fun movie. I I really really loved working on that. Um, there was some some difficulties on the set, like technical stuff, and also hmm. some personal tragedy. So the the movie did have its ups and downs production wise, but uh, overall, just it, it was one of those movies right. that came together in editing as well. It wasn't like a struggle; like it, it was just there. We we it just felt it just felt good from the get go. Um, right. And you know, again, Christina Moore, who who I've worked with on several stuff, she's always amazing, and. Uh, uh, I got to work with um, a fellow, um, my hometown of Chico, where I grew up, a fellow uh, Chico actor, um, thespian, uh, who I've always wanted to work with, and uh, our families knew each other, um, but I was really excited to get to work with her on this with Amanda Detmer. Um, oh, yes. And uh, so it was really cool to get to kind of two Chicoans um, working together on this. I would like to do some more with her. Uh, yeah. yeah. So it was it was a great great production. That's awesome. So when are you expecting this film to come out? The release dates I don't have the details yet. You don't have any of those uh, yet? No, I think Lady Driver might be if I was a guessing man, uh would probably be maybe spring of twenty twenty. Right. Um roped, I'm not sure. I also have American Fighter, which hasn't uh also well, we're about to we're, we're about to talk about that next because I want to definitely talk about American Fighter because American Fighter came, comes up right after this. I mean, you go from a PG film to a rated R film, which is American Fighter, yeah. and, and that has Tom, Tommy Flanagan again, Sean Patrick Flannery, Christina Moore. I mean, you are definitely, you know, you're definitely bringing your cast along. Before we talk talk about this film, let me ask you a question. You know, I think we've we've always talked about. It having the same kind of cast and crew around for a very long time. Is it important for you to, that now that you are working with a, a certain cast to keep them somewhat close to you? Um, I, I think, uh, you know, you, you always want to work with good people and, and right. uh, this business is very much like you kind of build a, a family, so to speak um, with, with people that you work with and, and, um, and, uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's always that thing you, you, you obviously build a comfort level and a trust level and, uh, you know, there's, there's always those elements and, and the people that, that give that 150% or whatever, and you go, man, I want to work with them again because right. they, 
just they had such a positive attitude, and they uh, and and I know what they're going to give. They're going to give that 150 percent. So I think that you just in this business, you know, I think there's a misconception on on making a film or making a show, like you know, it's all glitz and glamour, and and uh, oh, actors have it so easy or whatever. You know, it's a really difficult prospect creating these shows and there's just so right. many different things that are involved in so many different elements so many different elements sometimes yeah. it doesn't uh, yeah it's it's a, it's actually i'm not going to say it's the most difficult job in the world but i i no. do think it's commonly perceived to be a glamorous glitzy easy job when, right. when it really it's, isn't it's not that, that. yeah um, <laughs> um and there's uh, <clears throat> uh there's certainly the benefits and there's the, certainly the, the times at which you do get the glitz and the glamour which is usually after the two or three years of hard work for for any given film <laughs> most of them right. are minimum of two to three years in the making um and uh uh you know, when you find those people that that give it their all and have your back, so to speak, and uh, mm. and you want to work with them again, you naturally want right. to work with them again, and that's right. that's what happens with a lot of these actors um, and, and also crew members and and things like right. that. You go, you know, I jump at the chance to work with them again, and and mm. so I've been lucky enough to do that and and when i certainly if i have any power or any say in something i'm always putting those people forward i'm always like i want to work with casper van dean again because and we've become very good friends over working with with several of these projects together but it's not it's even beyond just the friendship it's i know he's going to work so incredibly hard on these productions and give it his all his hundred and you know, two hundred percent, whatever it is, you know, and <clears throat> why wouldn't I want to work with that? Right? You know I mean? Why would you not want to and, work with uh, somebody who works well with you? I, I mean, what what yeah, a, what, a, yeah. what a trite ideal. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so that's I'm always pushing those people forward. I really want to work sure. with them again, of course, uh, on any capacity, and and uh, so yeah. Well, let's talk about let's talk about a minute. Let's talk about our the the. the we were getting into before, which is uh, American Wrestler. You know that 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 film looks very interesting. What what is that story about? It now is it a sequel to a, doing a, another film? Yeah, well, American Fighter was is kind of a, a loose sequel to American Wrestler, which is okay. Force Films and uh, ESX. Uh, Ali Afshar, who is the executive producer uh, for all of the Force films, um, or a producer on, on all of the Forest films that uh, nice. films that I've worked on. Um, American Wrestler was kind of his childhood story, um, based on events that he that you know was really a part of his life and, and his experience growing up, um, and uh, coming from Iran over into the U.S. during a time where where there was still turmoil, kind of between you know there was the uh, events in the late 70s, the the Iran hostage crisis, um, right. and so which which. Americans weren't too fond of, of uh, that whole situation, so he dealt with uh, certain aspects of racism and things like that when he came over. Um, mm. But kind of his triumph over that, and uh, you know, finding a place for himself over here, and and he did that through wrestling. So American Fighter is kind of a continuation on that storyline, but it's it's much less based on reality. Uh, it's not a right. historical retelling of anything. It's just right. kind of a a what if kind of situation. So it's not really a sequel, but it is a sequel if that makes sense. Right. 
Um, right, right. It's the same universe, the same characters, but but mm-hmm. uh, this kind of they goes hope, off. On I a, think they call them soul sequels. You know, where they they yeah, have the same yeah, kind of soul, of, the original, but it's it's not the original. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so it was a very interesting prospect and a very interesting idea to try and do something like this. Um, hmm. And of course, it intrigued me. I, I loved the characters. I loved the first movie, which was directed by uh, Alex Renovello, who is a friend of mine. And um, and of course, with all these same lovely people from uh, Forest Films. And yeah. so, uh, yeah, this this film is is about a, a young a young kid who's now in college, and uh, he. Uh, on a, like a wrestling scholarship and he wants to try and bring his parents over from Iran because it's war torn at this time. This takes place in 1981. Okay. Um, and uh, this is when the Iraq, that is not a good, yeah, yeah, that, that's not a good time for Iran. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. So um, he's trying to get his parents over there. They want to come over and his mom is actually uh, to, to add insult to injury and everything else that's going on. His mom is, is suffering from cancer. And so wow. they could really, really need um, some Western medicine to try and help. And uh, what ends up happening is because of the war-torn stuff that's going on and the family's ties to the, the previous regime in Iran, uh, when they're on the plane uh, to, to come over to the U.S., the father is, is yanked off the plane and executed right there on the tarmac. Which wow. These are, again, these are things that actually really do happen and did happen. Um, it's not directly related to to the to this character in real life, but but uh, some right. some uh, uh, there was countless versions of these stories happening. So it's right. kind of uh, yeah. What then ends up happening, and the mom isn't able to get over. Um, uh, our main character, Ali, he it's his kind of his journey and his struggle to try and get his mother over to the U.S. and safe and, and getting some, uh, you know, treatment for, for her illnesses. For, for and illness, the, the right? kind of the, yeah, the kind of the, the hoops he has to jump through, and he gets nowhere um, trying to go through the government channels um, because of the time and uh, the, the era that this was happening in. Um, and so he turns to any means necessary to be able to try and to get her over to the U.S., which means actually smuggling her out of the country, which costs right. a lot of money. And as a college right. kid, um, he didn't have he didn't have that kind of money. So what ends up happening is he it leads him to this very kind of underground world. Um, and through his wrestling abilities, uh, he ends up kind of pit fighting, or you know, it's it's kind of the precursor to MMA and cage fighting. It's right. it's kind of underground fighting, and uh, but he can make cash really quick. And uh, utilize some of his skills that he has um, to try and, you know, raise enough money to smuggle his mom out of Iran and, and bring her over to the U.S. Nice. So that's kind of the, the story and uh, and uh, all the interesting characters he uh, um, encounters along the way, which, of course, is Tommy Flanagan, who who's another one of those actors that I, I can't wait to work with again. Um, obviously, I saw I saw a lot of movies with him in him at, at AFM. I saw the, them selling several films that he's in. He's yeah. easy. He's definitely yeah. one of those people that people love to use. He's he's definitely one yeah. of those class he's, A actors. Yeah, he's really he's fantastic to work with, and and I love his performance in this movie. He's, he's really good. So he's kind of the one who runs this underground fight world. Um, yeah. our, our character Ali. 
Um, hey, let me ask you a question. This is completely off topic, but you, did you talk to him a little bit about Peaky Blinders? No, no, I didn't get to talk to him about that. Oh, um, you son of a gun. And we were kind of hyper-focused on, on what we were doing at the time. And, uh, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we talked a little bit of Sons of Anarchy, of course, but, um, yeah. um, yeah, no peaky. Actually, I think what he was doing at the time, I think he had done like either right before or right after he went and did the, his, his, um, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, um, Oh, character. wonderful. Yeah. I think that's what he was doing. I don't know if he was even doing Peaky at the time when we were filming this. <laughs> really? Um, he was to doing be honest. That, so. But yeah. 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 Wow. His, yeah. his, his pretty, career really fun. blew up fast, man. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's fantastic. He was doing, and he was going to do that Wu Assassins as well. We had discussed that was the show yeah. that he was um, going to go do after our film. Um, so, but yeah. That's a great and then Sean Patrick Flannery again is in that one uh who's also fan. he kind of plays the um the kind of the 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 teacher that helps our our um our hero uh learn mm. how to fight in the underground world which uh some people don't know SPF is that actually a jujitsu master and all of that uh, stuff he, he owns several of his own schools nice so it's kind of cool to get him on there and and kind of impart some of his martial art wisdom, so to speak. Um, uh, and we have a scene where he really just trains our, our actor, George uh, Custeros, who plays uh, Ali. And he's another one of those really just kind of infectious personalities, super sincere. Um, That's mm. just, just uh, who he is. He's one of those, um, he's a really, really amazing uh, human being. I, I love George and, uh, Again, he's another one that's that's on that constant list of will you know can't wait to work right. with again. <laughs> sure, absolutely. Um, uh, but yeah, so we had this one scene where, and I spoke with Sean Patrick Flannery early on, where uh, I'm like, look, we could choreograph this whole sequence, or you could just teach him, just teach him jujitsu. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, that's what he does. He, he has such a passion for teaching jujitsu. I'm like, just teach him jujitsu. And right. uh, and we'll film it, <laughs> and uh, and uh, and that's exactly what he did. And it was it was a, it's a fantastic. Of course, it becomes a montage training sequence in the film, and we got some epic like eighties, uh, you know, montage yeah. music going there. You're very the best. Rocky and, and, All right. Yeah, it's very yeah. Karate Kid and and Rocky inspired. And our, our nice. uh, the gentleman who does our score, our composer Jamie Christopherson, he is. Uh, really awesome at that. Uh, he was able to get the lead singer of 38 Special to come in and do an original <laughs> song for the for the movie. And the song sounds so familiar to people when they like. We've done some test screenings, and also we did uh, uh, do like a special screening, like early screening uh -huh. of it at the Fantasia Fest up in uh, um, Montreal, which was a ton of fun. And uh, everybody was going, man, I, I, I love that song. What was that song called? Everybody thought they had heard that song from the 80s, but it was really an original. <laughs> um, just happened to have, you know, 38 special lead singer. So anyways, Jamie Christopherson, our composer, he's he's amazing at, at recreating that kind of stuff and uh, just has that knack for nostalgia and, and – uh, and uh, so he and he did. Of course, he created our our montage sequence songs, and they just they just totally have that feeling. 
of nice. Tommy Kidd and Rocky and, and all of that stuff. You know, we're, we're wrapping up. We're wrapping up the show right now. I want to get to Salvage Marines first, but let me ask you a question about the, the the hanging patterns that a lot of your films have. Now, you wait for a long time to make these movies, then you wait for a long time to get them done, and now you wait for a long film, long time to get them distributed or for other people to watch them. Does that drive you nuts, or is there somewhere along <laughs> the line that you, you know, as a, as somewhere in the advanced level, does that does that do you kind of just hold yourself back and say it'll happen when it's, when it's, when it's right? I think you got to have a certain amount of that or else you will go crazy. I certainly right. have my moments where I'm like, I can't believe this stuff isn't out yet. You know, it's like <laughs> right. and it's out of my hands. I, I don't have control of it. I hope someday I, I, I will get to have some control of it. Um, but you know, it's really out of my hands. So I've got to just kind of, you know, sit there and figure out what I'm going to do next and, and kind of put my energy into the next project and, and right. uh, do it that way. Because yeah, I, for me personally, I, of course I want these things to come out sooner than, than they right. do. Um, and uh, I'm just excited for people to see it and hopefully uh, enjoy some of the stuff I'm doing. I know uh, not everybody's, you can't please everybody. So you're going to have, the, right. you know, the people that like it and the people that don't. So um, sure. Uh, you know, it just it, it kind of is what it is. Right. You know, let's talk about Salvage Marines because you've been working on that for 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 a while now, and you went out of state also to work on that as well. It uh, has Casper Van Dien in it as well, and then and the rest of your crew. Uh, tell me about that project and and how it started and and how it basically blossomed in, into what you have now. Well, Salvage Marines is a really cool project, um, and it was a, a novel series um, called Necrospace, written by Sean Michael Argo. Um, and um, uh, so I got uh, 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 Casper was a, was attached to the project first. So Casper Van Dien, um, and that's kind of how I came into it. Um, he recommended myself along with some other uh, directors, basically as just you know suggestions like hey i've worked with these guys they're they're good take a look at them and i was lucky enough to uh you know uh nice kind of get an interview with with uh the ep on it and um uh and then uh you know eventually i got uh, booked to it and then i've got nice. to work with sean michael argo and and some other awesome writers on it and uh, kind of develop it into into the series and uh, a ton of work. I mean, this project has been, it's very ambitious sci-fi. Anytime you're doing something sci-fi, it's, it's sure. always incredibly ambitious. Yeah. And um, so yeah, we shot a lot of it in Louisiana, ended up uh, filming some in London as well. And uh, awesome cast. I mean, I love the cast of this mm. thing. You got Casper, of course, um, right. but you also have uh, uh, Jennifer Winger, who who is actually uh, <laughs> a Van Dien now as well, his wife. Right. She's actually <laughs> phenomenal on it. Um, nice. You got Peter Shinkoda, who this can, I love Peter Shinkoda. I think he's an awesome actor. He's another one that's on that list of like can't wait to work with again. Um, right. I want to develop uh, a show uh, or a, a movie with him. Um, and he's from like uh, um, uh, Daredevil. He he played Nobu. If uh, any Daredevil fans out there, they'll know oh, who yeah. he is. Uh, that's Peter Cody. He's also in the Man in the High Castle now. He 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 was on um, uh, Falling Skies, Spielberg's Falling Skies. Wow! Uh, but just a really uh, oh, he's just in uh, Midway as well. 
Um, yes, right. But really, Midway. really cool actor. Um, and uh, so I was ecstatic to have him on the show. So him and Casper, and they're friends in real life. So it was interesting to get them cast together because their camaraderie and their their friendship really comes off in the uh, through the characters. And then, right. um, you know, Shane Graham was in there again, who's, who's always awesome. And, oh and, yeah, Shane. Uh, just the whole, yeah, the whole cast of there, Eddie Davenport, um, got Sierra Foster in there. You got, uh, Elle Lamont, which I, again, also adore her, uh, just everybody. I mean, they were really, really, um, awesome cast and uh we were really in the trenches on this one i mean it was really difficult the heavy armor they're wearing uh literally mm. fighting in actual trenches <laughs> it looks like the, it and, looks a little bit like the tom cruise armor i mean that, that stuff looks heavy yeah 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 it was it was it was we tried to make it as light as possible <laughs> my myself having a stunt background i tried to create the gear that would at least have some kind of movement to it. Right. Um, working with the costume designers and the, in the, in the fabricators. Um, again, Elizabeth Jett was on that one. Nice. Um, so trying, trying to create something to, that would, you know, they could at least move somewhat in <laughs> and, and right. it, I will say maybe we're marginally successful in that. <laughs> um, uh, but uh you know, then we stick them in sand pits and like, hey, run out of the sand pit as fast as you can, holding this heavy gun and wearing these helmets you can barely <laughs> see out of. And, you know, or it was like, hey, it's pitch black in this underground, you know, abandoned factory. Let's see if you can move through that in this helmet you can't barely see out of. You know? <laughs> so it was a lot of that uh, fun stuff. And I and, think a lot uh, of sci-fi has that involved in it, where it's like you know you've got a mask yeah, on your I face, think, you know, go through the sand right now. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. I think on, we we spoke about the show Mandalorian. It's like yeah. try and see out of those masks. Like, good oh luck. right. I, I guarantee those actors can barely see out of those things, and uh, or the Darth Vader helmet. I mean. I guarantee whoever's behind a Darth Vader helmet has a darn hard time seeing. Uh, <laughs> it's hard to look cool so, when you're bumping into yeah. stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, that's the struggle. That's the sci-fi struggle and the superhero <laughs> struggle, for, I'm sure. So you're, so you're waiting for this film to come out now. Do, do you have a date? No, this was already pre-produced before you even got involved in it. Do you have a release date for this film? For For Salvage? Yes. Uh, no, I don't know any release info on it yet. We're still in post-production, heavy in post-production. Visual effects nice. right now is what's happening on that. So they're doing visuals um, right now. Ton, ton of visual effects. Yeah, that's nice. the, that's the, um, uh, you know, you're doing a sci-fi show like this. I mean, there's just, right. there's just so many visual effects uh, involved. So yeah, that's kind of where it's at. Right. Now, you've obviously done these films in consistent orders and brought them along with you. What, what, do you, what do you think it is about you that brings in this consistency to your workflow? Uh, I, I probably, you know, stems from, uh, uh, you know, my, my um, background with my father in the theater and then also martial arts, I think, plays a, a huge part of it, um, yeah. as you know. Uh, obviously been studying martial arts since I was pretty young. And I think sure. that, uh, definitely, you know, kind of brings that, uh, kind of Zen energy to all of those, those kinds of things. And, uh, sure. uh, I think it helps keep me calm and, and, 
the chaos of the in- industry. Um, uh, you know, I attribute a lot of stuff to my martial arts training as as being incredibly helpful um, and being a problem solver and kind of uh, again being that kind of calming force behind the really the the hectic and craziness uh, behind uh, these creative projects. You know what I mean? Right. You know, it seems like a lot of us creative types uh, have martial art backgrounds uh, and have these kind of like Zen meditation centers that we, that we go to or that we figure we need in order to find some center in our existence. Absolutely. I think it's uh, I highly recommend <laughs> uh, <laughs> anybody creative uh, to, to also study martial arts. I think there is, uh, is an obvious correlation there. Absolutely. You know, if you if somebody was coming up right now in Chico and they're listening to this interview right now and they want to know how, how could I become Sean Paul Piccinino? What, what, what would some steps that you would tell this person to take before they, they even got off the ground? Huh? Well, yeah, it just all depends on their age and all of that, of course. But, um, uh, the, the, the biggest like piece of advice I think I could give is just create you know it doesn't matter what level you're at it doesn't matter you know my dad bringing home that camera at 12 years old I, I i did little stop motion you know uh uh movies with with uh, my toys and where i right. started making you know fake commercials or music videos or whatever i did at that age um sure. and you see it a lot now with people doing their instagrams and their tiktoks and all of those fun things um, it's that same creative energy, I think. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, cre- create something. Um, I think that's uh, you're gonna fail, you're gonna succeed, you're gonna learn. Um, and I think I think creating is is uh, is you know one of the greatest greatest tools that you can have to to um, you know learn and progress and kind of hone your skills and sharpen those tools. And um, of course, well, you can study you- and you. Can- and all those things out there. There's there's wonderful documentaries and, and all of that as well. Well, let me bring something out, something different out uh, of this conversation. You know, because I, I constantly ask this question, but something else that's been coming to my mind lately is I've been watching a lot of these YouTube personalities, and a lot of them are incredibly savvy. They know they're editing really well, music placement, sound uh, placement, editing. They know the entire process. It's, it's incredible where these kids these days can really pull up in like 24 hours. What would you say to right. one of these, one of, one of these kids who is high functioning and really wants to make it, but is kind of stuck in that uh, personality zone of being in YouTube and that kind of thing. Um, I, I think it's, again, they have the tools already clearly. Right. So it's, right. it's just maybe shifting, shifting some of their energy into a narrative uh, medium. So if they mm. want to, I think they're going to get put in a, a, a category, a shoebox, right, or, or right. whatever you want to call it. They're going to get kind of typecast as a as a an internet personality, which is has its positives and and maybe some negatives. negatives. If they if yeah. they want to be taken more as like a serious actor or something like that, if that's right. what you're getting at, or a serious filmmaker, I think they have the platform there that they can they can already prove it. Just just make a project that shows it's more narrative, show it's it's more of uh, storytelling versus social media, um, right. 
and that's how they can kind of prove that they've got what it takes to 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 leap into the other other areas. And I, and I do highly recommend that any of these YouTube personalities or uh, whatever it is, Instagram, whether it's TikTok or whatever it is, if they do have a dream to to go into the to you know, like I said, more narrative, more more acting, filmmaking world. Um, those opportunities are happening all the time because right. the film industry recognizes that the social media aspect does have some some validity. Um, right. You know, it's not the end all be all. Um, just because you have a social media star on your movie doesn't mean that movie is going to be a success. But there's there's right. correlations, crossovers, helps with promotion, all those things. So the right. industry recognizes that. So I think it behooves any of those people that want to do those crossovers to take acting classes, to study right. acting, to read about acting. You know, there's nothing wrong with with you know honing those skills if that's the path you want to take. Um, so that's the other suggestion I would I would say is yeah, really study to to be a legitimate <clears throat> actor. Study what it means to be on set because those things are very different than you filming a social media thing, even at like a YouTube space or whatever. That doesn't right. necessarily give you the, the skills on what it is to be on a professional film or television set. You got to know right. where your mark is. You got to know your set etiquette. You don't talk during or make a joke during somebody's take, right? Like things like that. Like you might be able to do that with your friends while making a YouTube video, but on a professional set, it's very different. So learning, I, I think, if you want to cross over and and do those things, learn those skills and and then. The people who might be trying to, um, you know, keep you in that uh, box, like you're not an actor, or you're not a this or that, they'll be pleasantly surprised when you show up and you're on your stuff. You know what you're doing. You're professional. Um, right. And so that would be my suggestion there. And then also, like I said, create some content that is in more narrative. Show that you can really act. Show that you can really uh, produce something that is. Um, um, more along those lines, if that's your goal. Again, if not, keep doing what you're doing because they, they obviously um, they know way more about the social media stuff than, than someone like myself does. Right, right. That makes a lot of sense. You know, Sean, we, we love talking to you today, and uh, we apologize for the technical difficulties we had earlier today. We, could, we couldn't hear each other. But uh, everybody wants to get <laughs> to know right. you. Everybody, everybody wants to know where are you, how can we get in touch with you. So where, what, what parts of, of the gram are, are you involved in? <laughs> well, I think Instagram is probably the easiest place to find me. Um, uh, it's kind of the social media one that I go to the most. I am on Twitter. I am on Facebook. I kind of stay away from Facebook these days, but yeah. um, uh, on Instagram, I'm uh, at director Sean Piccinino, and uh, my name is uh, S-H-A-U-N, and then my last name, Piccinino, is P-I-C-C-I-N-I-N-O. It's a tongue twister. It's Italian. <laughs> um, Got to blame those Italians, but no, so <laughs> dire- at director Just... Sean Piccinino. Right. Um, I did start a TikTok account with my kids, so I am on nice. that too. <laughs> nice. Now, <laughs> are, like are, are they enjoying The Mandalorian? Oh, they love it. Yeah, they're oh, they're great. loving it. Um, and uh, of course, Baby Yoda for life. Uh, is, oh, Baby is, Yoda! Uh, I love Baby Yoda. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they're really enjoying that. They're looking forward to the new Star Wars movies. Um, they're they're yeah. definitely uh, of the generation that is not so caught up in in you know uh, the. They're not kind of in that fanboy world with the Star Wars stuff. Like they love Ray. 
and they love right. Finn, and they love they they actually really like those storylines. Um, right. I don't know if, how what they thought of last or, uh, yeah last Jedi. I should ask them what they thought. Right. But they didn't have the same stuff with with uh, having the problems with Luke like 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 the, I would have. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I'm like that's not my Luke. They're like, shut up, Dad. Uh, uh, that's gonna be an hour long debate. <laughs> I, I think if we get started in this conversation, I know I, yeah. we're gonna start we're gonna start another debate. <laughs> I know those are, those are tough. Those are really tough questions. And even tougher answers. Uh, he's a fantastic director, but uh, yeah, that's a tough movie, man. That's a really polarized <laughs> film. Wow. Yeah, you know what's interesting yeah. is, is uh, Daisy Ridley, Ridley was asked, uh, does she prefer uh, the pugs over uh, the pugs? What are they? What are they called? Over uh, over yeah, Baby Yoda. Yeah, she she's like, oh, yeah. Baby Yoda all the way. She's like, those guys were in the film for like ten minutes. Who cares about them? Yeah. Well, let's get, let's get yeah, more Baby yeah. Yoda in our film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know, is that yeah. is something is that something you're looking forward to do? Because they they have a Obi Wan um, miniseries coming out pretty soon on 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 Disney. Is that something you're looking forward to, to maybe being part of? Oh, I'd jump at the chance. Yeah, I'd jump at the chance. Yeah. Of course, um, Star Wars was a big influence uh, for myself as a filmmaker, uh, yeah. as I know it is for so many filmmakers. But yeah, I would jump at the chance, leap at the chance. Um. And uh, yeah, so th- that is a goal. That is a dream someday to to be a part nice. of some of those worlds. Um, uh, yeah, that'd be fantastic. Nice. Well, Sean, thank you for joining us today. We we greatly appreciate everything you've done for us. And and uh, well, we hope you have a great weekend. Please say hi to the family. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, and and if uh, people do want to find me on social media, please go there. And you know, I'm always supporting causes. I'm trying to, you know, I don't have like a big social media voice or anything. You had like one that, cause going on right now. Maybe we should talk about that before you leave. Uh, some somebody somebody needs some help. Uh, they have a GoFundMe page. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There is a little. Uh, um, call him Little Fighter Oliver. Um, I've yeah. been trying to get that hashtag to 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 kind of catch on. But he's he's just like three and a half months old, and he's just such a fighter. He's got a right. really rare disease. I won't go into all of that, but if you guys want to check it out, the link is in in my description on my Instagram page, um, and you can see his story and uh, just trying to help the family out. And again, uh, my connection to it is is um, the, the their family friends and and the yeah. the, the very sweet mother is a is a wonderful actress as well, and we yeah. Uh, she was in one of our films. She was in When the Fever Breaks. Yeah. yeah. When the Fever Breaks, uh, Violet Smith is her name, and she yeah. she um, is just going through a, it's a tough time, obviously, and and yeah. uh, any way that uh, we can help is, is so important to me. So um, yeah. I employ anybody that can can help or share the story, share the GoFundMe. If you can't donate, that's fine. Um, just help us get the word out there and and try and help this uh, awesome family and their and their. Uh, little Oliver yeah. he's just he's always got a smile on his face that's the crazy thing he's going through <laughs> these these intensive surgeries after intensive yeah. surgery and he's three and a half months old and wow. he's smiling it's just yeah. crazy to me just happy to be and, alive uh, yeah yeah so anyways that's, that's incredible if anybody can you know, we'll, check we'll, that we'll, out that's awesome no, we'll, we'll check that out. We'll put a link. Uh, we'll put a link to our uh, website as well. And, and uh, I think those things are incredibly important to uh, take a look at. Uh, thank you very much for bringing it to our uh, to our attention. We've been we've been talking that for a long time. I've been I've been I've been, I've been really pushing that one for a very long time. Um, that's a very special special thing. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thank you, Sean. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we really appreciate it. And, and uh, have yourself a great weekend. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for having me on. All right, Sean. That was Sean Paul Piccino. Thank you so much for joining us today. All right. Oh, what a great episode today. All right, guys. That is that is us. That is us this weekend. I promised you an episode. We got, gave you an episode. You got an advance training episode today on directing, communication, working with people, the light, the dark. I think you got it all. I think you got a Star Wars story in the story today. <laughs> Give us a call. Let us know how we did. 515-602-9609. I wasn't able to get to a lot of the phone calls earlier today, and I, I apologize for that. But I was really intrigued by his uh, by his conversation, and uh, I didn't want to uh, be disrespectful. But I love you all, and thank you very much for listening in. I hope you have yourself a great week. I hope you have yourself a great weekend. I'm your host, Steve Pisa. Thank you so much for listening to Central Files Radio. Bless you all. I'll see you next week. Thank you.